0: Clearly, there is an interest in the midterms that we have not seen for a long, long time.
1: On this special episode of 45 Days, Lieutenant Governor Spencer Cox answers your burning questions about voting in what could be a record-setting year for turnout in a midterm.
2: And we dream up some fun political Halloween costume ideas. Welcome to a special pre-midterms episode of 45 Days. I'm Nicole Nixon. And I'm Julia
1: Ritchie. We are just 94 days away from the next legislative session. But less than two weeks away from the 2018 midterm elections. And we've been really, really busy here with our election coverage interviewing candidates and profiling ballot initiatives Nicole I know you've been really busy covering our only statewide race this cycle for US Senate why don't you tell us about that
2: yes and unless you have been living under a rock this year (laughs) you know that Orrin Hatch is retiring at the end of this year after 42 years in the Senate and Mitt Romney is hoping to be his replacement Um, Romney obviously a Republican former two-time presidential candidate former governor of Massachusetts Um, He is running against Jenny Wilson, who's a Democratic member of the Salt Lake County Council. So what are these two sort of campaigning on? So Romney is campaigning a lot on his experience and the relationships that he's built during those two presidential runs. He always mentions that he has formed a lot of. Um, relationships and, and working relationships with people who are already in the Senate. And his main argument is that if, if he were to go to the Senate, to Washington, he would not be any, just any junior senator, that he could potentially build a coalition and, and get some things done right off the bat, hit the ground running in the Senate. Um, Wilson is really hitting her Utah roots. She's a fifth-generation Utahan, and she um, likes to point that out because obviously Romney's not from the state. (laughs) Um, She also likes to mention that uh, Romney has not always – had a consistent record during their one and only debate a few weeks ago. She even called him multiple choice Mitt many, many times. Right, especially on that healthcare one. Uh, what about polling in this race? It seems. Yeah, it's not um, like most statewide races in Utah. It's not much of a contest. Um, Romney's obviously polling uh, more than 30 points ahead. Um, He's the favorite. He's the Republican. He's got $5 million in his campaign war chest, and he is expected to win this one. But that's not the only race. No. And you've been covering the most competitive and interesting race this cycle. Right. Tell us about that.
1: Uh, Utah's 4th District, which is kind of the suburbs around Salt Lake, has Taylorsville, West Jordan, Um, I think Lehigh, Lehigh, some of those Silicon Slopes kind of areas. That race is between Republican incumbent Mia Love and Democratic Salt Lake County Mayor uh, Ben McAdams. So Love is sort of in the political fight of her life right now. Um, She's a two-term incumbent. Um, She says that she wants to go back to Washington and continue to represent Utah values. Um, And uh, McAdams has really made this a, a race about Um, standing up to Washington, and particularly with the Trump administration being as controversial as it is, um, having a strong representative who can, who can challenge the administration when, when needed to, which is something he says that Love has not done. Um, really interesting thing about this race um, is, is that although Love has sort of out-fundraised him, he has more cash on hand in the, the final couple weeks here, uh, or the final couple days um, before this election wraps up. Um, and it's a toss-up, according to a lot of national experts.
2: So they've been kind of polling in a dead heat for the last couple weeks. This is one of a few races around the country that people are kind of focusing in on as a case study for uh, Republicans defending their seats this like this cycle.
1: Right, it is one of the districts that is now considered a toss-up which could help uh, Democrats as they seek to take back uh, the US House of Representatives.
2: Okay, so we've been covering these races and many, many other races and issues this year, including the ballot initiatives, all that other good stuff. Um, We're not going to get into all of that here. So if you need a primer on any of that stuff, go to our website, KUER.org. Find the button on our homepage that says 2018 election coverage. You can see all those stories. So we're going to take a quick break. But when we come back,
1: Lieutenant Governor Spencer Cox is here to answer your questions about the ballot. KUER is listener-supported public radio. And our most dependable support comes from our nearly 9,000 sustainers, people just like you who make ongoing monthly contributions. Starting at just 5 bucks a month, you can become a sustainer too. Go to KUER.org, click on the Donate button, and tell us how you'd like to contribute. Use your credit card or make it even easier with a direct withdrawal from your bank account.
2: Join our growing community of sustainers today at KUER.org. Midterm elections are just around the corner, and there is a lot on the ballot this year. It's kind of overwhelming, to be honest, which is why we put out a call to KUER listeners to send us any and all questions you had about voting. More than two dozen of you responded with some great questions, and here to
1: answer those questions is an elections expert. In fact... He's the state's top elections chief,
2: Lieutenant Governor Spencer Cox. Welcome.
0: It's great to be here. I hope I have the answer. <laughs> I <I'm laughs> little so nervous. out.
2: Yeah. <laughs> our first question comes from Susan, who's one of our listeners in Salt Lake City, and she wanted to know about numbers. How many new voters have registered this year and how does that compare to previous midterm cycles?
0: Wow. 40 40- Forty thousand new uh, new voters have have registered to vote, and, and the comparison is is really pretty stunning. Over now, we don't want to compare this to a presidential year because presidential elections are always different. We always have a lot more, although it is starting to look a little bit more like a presidential election year. Um, so f- so let's go back four years ago to the last midterm. We we had about. 2,000 people registered to vote in that same time period. So it's really amazing. We're up like over 1,000% or whatever the crazy number is. So clearly there is uh, an interest in the midterms that we have not seen for a long, long time.
2: Um, We got a similar question from Hunter who wants to know a little bit about younger voters registering. Hi, my name is Hunter Nichols. I'm from Centerville, Utah. I was wondering what percent of college-age voters who are eligible to vote are actually registered, and how they tend to vote: Democratic or Republican.
0: Okay, so I don't have exact numbers on that, but I can tell you kind of kind of trends um, historically and uh, and with some of the national numbers we've seen this this year. Uh, younger people are much less likely to register to vote. They're much less likely to actual, actually vote. What's interesting is a lot of people don't realize that if millennials turned out in the same numbers as boomers or Gen X or anything else, they would actually be the, the largest voting block in the state of Utah. We have a lot of young people right now, but historically they don't. So what we usually see is about 25% of of those ages 18 to 30 turn out to vote. Compare that with like 80% for those over 60. So there, there you see the the range and uh, and and how do they tend to vote well uh, younger voters tend to skew a little bit more liberal um, to and that's historically always been the case uh, we see that on college campuses and then as as people age and have careers and families and homes they tend to trend a little bit more conservative and so that's that's the breakdown uh, the the, uh, the the young vote is kind of the Holy Grail out there that politicians are always looking for uh, and truthfully the only time we've seen it recently was during uh, Obama's first election in, in 2008, a little bit in, in his second election um, in 2012. But in 2008, we did see young people turn out at higher rates than, than ever before or in the past, uh, recent history.
1: So let's talk about what's actually on the ballot okay. this year. Uh, we got a lot of questions about ballot propositions and constitutional amendments. So off right off the bat, what's the difference between an, a constitutional amendment and a proposition yeah
0: so we actually have three different types of questions on the ballot so let's let's start with constitutional amendments constitutional amendments usually get on the ballot when the legislature puts them on the ballot so what happens is the legislature and it has to be two thirds of the legislature to get a a constitutional change proposed Uh, we have three of those that happened this year so the legislature back in the general session said these are things we want to change two-thirds of them support it's on the ballot now the voters of Utah get to decide so there's three of those Um, and they're a b and c so we use numbers to, to Different or, or letters to differentiate those. So constitutional amendment A, B, and C, and then uh, and then we have ballot initiatives. Ballot initiatives, uh, our constitution provides an opportunity for regular Utahns, for we the people, to legislate, to actually pass laws. And this is how we do it. Uh, the legislature puts the rules in place on how that works, but you have to go out under the current rules. You have to go out and you have to gather lots of signatures, about 115,000 signatures. They and they can't all be in Salt Lake City. They have to be spread throughout the state in. 20 26 of the 29 Senate districts. And uh, then if you get enough signatures, and if enough people don't remove their signatures, which is something a lot of people <laughs> didn't know was a possibility, you have a month after they gather signatures for people to take their, their signatures off the ballot, then you get to be on the ballot and you get to pass a law. And, and so those we have three of those, and they're actually uh, two, three, and four. So Prop 2, Prop 3, and Prop 4 are the three initiatives that are on the ballot. This year we have a third category, and, and that is is is. Uh, question number one non-binding question number one which we
1: got a question about as well okay these are very (laughs) (laughs) rare
0: very very rare Mm -hmm. and and it just happens when the legislature it's basically a poll the legislature wants to see before they pass a law what utahns think about something and in this case a a tax increase that goes to schools and uh and a little bit to roads and so they they put it on there just to see what what people think non-binding question one
2: great great explanation Yes, we did get a question about constitutional amendments. So, follow up comes from Jess in Salt Lake who asked, How do you find out who pushed for these amendments? to get on the ballot you talked about how they come from the legislature but can you find out specifically which legislators were sponsoring these and who was voting for them
0: you can and and uh, my recommendation would be go to to go to the legislature's website le.utah.gov le LE stands for for legislature and uh, and you can go in there they have a great website you can actually go in there and search and you can find these uh, these constitutional amendments it will show you uh, who was the sponsor in the House and the Senate it will show you who voted for them who voted against Against them, um, you can actually go in and listen to the debates on the floor and in the committees. Uh, so you can, there is a lot of information out there on these constitutional amendments and find out what what it's all about. You can also go to vote.utah.gov and read. Uh, there is information there on every one of these initiatives uh, and and uh, and and amendments, the pros and the cons. We we have those listed there where a legislator has uh, has written why they support it or why they're opposed to it, and we encourage people to go and do that.
1: We had a question from Nathan Waite about what happens after a ballot proposition passes.
0: This is Nathan Waite calling from
2: Layton. My question is related to propositions in the legislature. If voters approve Proposition 2, can state legislatures revise or override that at their upcoming special section on medical marijuana?
0: Okay, so the legislature can do that. And what's interesting about Prop 2, so if you're going to run a ballot proposition, you have to have a group of people come together and they're, they're the supporters and they're the ones that that sponsor it. And so the sponsors of that proposition, Prop 2, that, that initiative, uh, fairly controversial. Uh, we had legislators that were opposed to it. We had churches that were opposed to it. We had a group that had formed uh, doctors that were opposed to it. And then you had a lot of supporters as well uh, in, in the community. And uh, they came together. Um, they met. The governor's office was involved in those negotiations and came up with this compromise. And And the the idea was, whether this passes or not, we're going to have medical marijuana. But this is the way medical marijuana... It's going to be different now. Even, even the sponsors felt like there were some problems. And, and that's... I, I should just say this briefly. One of the problems with the initiative process is you do have a chance to refine your initiative one time. You can have a couple public hearings, a few public hearings, and then you can make some changes to it. They may tweak it a little bit. But then you have a, a year where you're out gathering signatures and getting on the ballot during that time you often learn things that you wished you had done differently during the legislative process we have you know we have hearings and and we have votes and then you can change it an amendment you can't do that during the, the initiative process and so even the initiative sponsor said yeah there are some problems with this we need to fix and make differently they came together they came up with the compromise um, and the idea was there will be a special session in November whether this passes or not and they will pass this new compromise version of it and and again that that is that is legal that that is the way it can be done it's not uncontroversial of course there's some people that support amendment 2 that think that this is a terrible idea the compromise and there are lots of people that uh, that hate uh, the uh, the prop 2 and think it's a terrible idea that we're going to have any medical marijuana, or s- marijuana at all. So there are a lot of very unhappy people, but that's, that seems to be how compromise works in, in politics. In
1: theory, they could do, uh, the legislature could do that to any of the propositions. Absolutely, they yeah. could do
0: it to any of them. And, and I suspect we will see some changes mm-hmm. to all of them. Um, and, and some of them are just changes that have to be made just to be implemented, not, not major changes, although there could be major changes as well
2: okay okay so that's the propositions and the amendments and we talked a little bit about non-binding opinion question number one which deals with education funding and we got a question from our listener Brian Peterson who says that this was supposed to be about education but he says there's this little phrase added in there that says local roads Um, how and why did that get in there roads and education seem to be pretty remotely related if at all and he said it seems sneaky so lieutenant governor is this sneaky?
0: Well, <laughs> it depends on what your definition of sneaky <laughs> is. Uh, so uh, while while the, the discussion has mostly revolved around education, th- this has been very clear from the very beginning. And if you, you look at the language of it, you go back and look. So 70% of it goes to education, 30% of it goes to roads. Now, I, I can explain how this came about. But by the way, this was supposed to be um, a, a ballot initiative. It was started as a ballot initiative. There were signatures gathered. It was called Our Schools Now. And uh, kind of the last week of the legislature compromise was reached with the legislature to do this non-binding question as a way to get it on the on the on the ballot and to see how people felt about it. So the idea is to raise gas prices and give some of that, 70% of that to education. Now, historically, gas gasoline taxes have always been used for roads. That's the mm-hmm. purpose of them. So the, the change is really using it for education. That's the the different part of this instead of roads. And one of the reasons that education has lost some funding is because uh, more and more, and it's it's really complicated. Math. I, it, it, it is math, it involves some math, and it involves the worst part of government. But uh, it, it, what, what happens is the gen- we have different pots of money. We have the education fund, which is uh, income taxes. So all of your income taxes go to ed- the education fund. 100% of that goes to the education fund. Um, however, higher education used to get a lot of their money from the general fund, which is kind of everything else. Um, the Constitution was changed back in the 90s to allow higher education. To take some of that education fund now so here's what happens here's the dirty secret of, of governing and and the legislature over time what they've done is when they need money for other things they've moved higher education more funding for higher education over to the education fund mm-hmm. and use the general fund more for roads and other things and so we are taking money away from education so so the the whole concept here is twofold one if you get money directly to education, obviously that's going to help education. If you get more money directly to roads as well, that's also going to help education. And we desperately need more money for roads, especially in our, in our cities and towns, in our communities, where those roads are not keeping up with the, 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 the cost of, of repairing roads. And we, so, so, so both of these benefit education, one of them directly and one of them indirectly.
1: And we should mention your boss, Governor Herbert, is supporting this question. He
0: is, correct, Yes.
2: Okay, let's move on to actually casting our ballots. Most places in Utah are doing vote by mail this election. um, But some people still like to go to their polling place and get their I voted sticker. Um, Someone wrote in to ask, can any voter go to any polling place in their county to cast their ballot? Or are we still assigned specific polling locations based on our addresses?
0: Okay. so uh, the good news is, yes, if you want to vote, you can vote on Election Day. And yes, you can go to any location in your county and cast your ballot. And uh, and so you don't have to go to a specific one. Find a voting center that's open. Go uh, vote. Uh, You can actually register to vote this year for the first time, which we're all very, very excited about on election day that's a that's a big change and hopefully will help people um, but but yeah yeah you can you can do that you can go to any location get your sticker which is by the way the most controversial part of vote by mail is not getting a sticker <laughs> shout out to Tooele County who mailed out stickers with their their uh, their their ballots this year we would love to get every county to do that
1: <laughs> speaking of casting ballots we got two questions about prepaid postage mm. uh, here's one of them
2: hi I'm Chantel Gossner I'm going to school in Logan Utah and I want to know why the state doesn't provide postage for mail-in ballots. Also, is there anything that I as a voter can do to change
0: that? Go Aggies, Chantel. Thanks for calling in from, from Logan, Utah. Uh, so this is one one of the things that, that a lot of people don't realize about elections. And yes, I, I do oversee elections for the state, but every election is a county election. And so county clerks have a lot of authority in conducting elections. We oversee, of course, the legislature defines the parameters of that. And, uh, and, and so many of these decisions are county decisions. And so it is county by county. Uh, many counties do provide Prepay postage. Salt Lake, um, Salt Lake is didn't... one of those. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Salt Lake and several others. Um, and then there are several that don't. Utah County does not. Um, Cash County does not. And uh, and it is something that we are we are very interested in getting changed. Of course, it costs money. That's that's the the piece. And so being able to fund that is going to be important. Um, it's something we've talked about with the legislature about you know maybe maybe having the state pay for for postage. Uh, we haven't we haven't gotten them interested in that yet. Uh, but Do our you know hope how much is
2: that might cost. If you, I, if you do I do don't that? think we have oh, okay.
0: uh, the, the the total number, um, but uh, we could I, we could do the math and figure it out. So I love
1: that Chantelle is willing to jump in. Yeah, in no, <laughs> and
0: and that's so, so really, Chantel What what? Yes, as a voter, what you can do is is call your county clerk first and foremost, and your county commissioners because they they have the budget, they have the purse for the county. So your county commissioners or county council, depending on the form of government or your county, and then talk to your legislator as well. Um, and 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 let's see if we can't get that done. I would like to see it prepaid uh, across the across the state.
2: Okay, so a lot of voters have already filled out and returned their mail-in ballots, including one of our listeners, JT in Salt Lake City. He wrote in to ask us if there's a way to track your ballot online so you know when it has been counted, just like Domino's Pizza. Exactly, you watch <laughs> your pizza being made. Yes, yeah.
0: yes, yes. There is uh, vote.utah.gov. You you enter your information there, and it will show you your ballot status. So, um, if you've mailed it in, the, the next thing you will see is, uh, return to c- to county clerk or. You know, So the clerk has it. You'll know the clerk has it. Then you'll see when it's processed and counted and uh, you can keep track of that. Now, importantly, I want to point out, and some people some people want to know this and, and they think it's a good idea or a terrible idea, but we do not know how you voted, right? That's how the envelopes work. We separate those envelopes so we can track that you did vote. We received it. So that envelope, the empty envelope shows that it was received, but the person uh, feeding that through the machine has no idea who that was. So those are separated as the they come in, so we we have counted your ballot, but we don't know we don't know what that means. The privacy of the ballot is still really important. It's a constitutional right, and uh, and so we don't we don't track how you vote,
1: and not many people know that.
0: That's right, that's right. We do track when you vote uh, or how often you've voted. That is public information. You can anybody can see that if you voted in the last two elections or you haven't voted for ten years. That is public, but how you voted is not.
1: Top questions for county clerks are worst case scenarios, usually. So what happens if I spill Capri Sun on my ballot, or Diet Coke, or (laughs) if it's torn? Will my ballot still count?
0: Okay. As long as we can, as county clerks, can decipher what your vote is, it will count. Absolutely, 100%. Even if the machine rejects it, then we count them by hand. Okay? So so that's that's really important. If something, if your ballot is spoiled in some way, though, you can go and get another one. Um, again, you can show up on election day and cast your ballot at a polling location. You don't have to worry about the mail ballot. It doesn't matter if you have two or three or four of them. Um. No, it doesn't matter. You can only vote once, right? You can only vote once. Wait a minute. Uh, but but it do, it doesn't matter how many ballots are sent to your to to your home. That's that's not the issue. Just just vote once. Uh, but if you do spoil your ballot, don't worry. It's not the not the end of things. You can actually go and get a new one.
2: We'll get to election security in a minute. Yes. Um, so first, let's talk about registration deadlines. And you mentioned this a little earlier. It is not too late now. You still can register online and in person by October thirtieth and um, you mentioned this earlier, this is something new the state is doing this year with same-day voter registration. Do you want to give those details?
0: Sure, yeah, I'm happy to. So again, if you haven't registered, I, I would encourage you not to wait until Election Day. I mean, do it now if you can. Just go ahead and register online. Um, you have until October 30th to uh, to do that. Um, I should also mention that we do have two counties that are not vote-by-mail, Emory and Carbon counties, for your, your listeners out there. Um, and so those are, they will only be voting on on Election Day. Um, but 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 you so so you've got you know it's too late to get a ballot mailed to you. That's that's the piece that is different. So if you are registering online, they're not going to hurry and send you a ballot out. You're going to have to go to a polling location on election day. But that being said, um, if you miss the October 30th deadline to, to to register online, not to worry. Go up and and you can actually you can you can actually register at, at, if you can go to a polling location that has early voting. You can register there as well, even after October 30th. So plenty of opportunities you just have to do it in person
1: we got a question from Taylor Anderson in Salt Lake City about why the state isn't spending more resources advertising these new deadlines
0: Okay. Well, so <laughs> that's a we, uh, <laughs> we we are spending a, a lot of resources. In fact, we're probably spending more than we ever have on encouraging people to to visit our, our website and to get registered to vote. And so, um, hopefully, uh, Taylor, I can't believe you haven't seen our fantastic ads that are out there. I mean, they're they're really amazing. If you really want to know, you. <laughs> I, well, I'm not going to say that. I, I don't identify myself, but uh, other people have said that it's because of me. <laughs> Many people we, are <laughs> saying these are really. I, good. Good and I for, when, when you ask me why voter registration was up so much, that's the real reason. It's, it's these <laughs> fantastic ads. Um, but we are. In fact, there's billboards all over that say register to vote. Go to vote.utah.gov. And and what's cool is because we really don't have deadlines this year. I mean, we do technically have deadlines, but you can register all the way through election day. Um, we don't need to advertise those deadlines. We just want you to go and, and do it. So if you go to vote.utah.gov, you will see everything that you need to know right there.
2: Okay, election security. What do you want to tell voters about election security in Utah in twenty eighteen?
0: Well, I want them I, I want people to know that elections have uh, have never been more secure than they they are right now. Despite what you're hearing, despite what you're reading out there. There are some states that I probably couldn't say that about, but one of the things that we do, right, and first of all, what's interesting is uh, old is kind of new again. By having paper ballots, um, by having mail-in ballots, um, it it is actually more secure than the the voting machines. Um, We have very few voting machines that will be used in this election, and uh, even those voting machines in Utah are more secure than anywhere else because they are not connected to each other and they're not connected to the internet in any way and because they have a paper printout, um, which is important. There are some states that didn't invest in that we did very early on we said we're not going to do this without a paper printout we want to be able to go back in every machine look at every vote and make sure that the electronic version of that vote matches the paper version of that vote and uh and so so you're going to be fine you don't have to worry about the russians hacking our election and you uh you don't have to worry about uh, millions of illegals voting illegally in our election
1: on that note, Spencer Cox is the lieutenant governor for the state of Utah and an expert in all things election-related. Thanks so much for joining us for our Voterama Marathon. Thanks, and thanks to the,
0: the listeners who, who wrote in and, and it called in. It's been a lot of fun. We appreciate it. Don't forget to vote.
1: We want to ask you, lieutenant governor, what your Halloween costume is going to be this year.
0: Okay. I <laughs> This is going to take a lot longer than you want. Um, yeah, <laughs> the answer is I don't have a Halloween costume. What? and. There's still time. Here's why. No, there is still time. So I love Halloween so much. It is one of my favorite times of year. Um, I love dressing up, and I historically went all out. Um, there are things out there that I hope never see the light of day. Um, <laughs> <Uh-oh>. That <laughs> especially for a, a, a run
1: for office, very wraps. very
0: damaging. <laughs> um, and uh, I, I'm not very political at all. I usually don't care about stuff, but. Um, I, <laughs> I have a good friend and my wife who will no longer let me, uh, dress up for Halloween ever. So it makes me sad and I can't wait to get out of office so <laughs> I can be ridiculous again. There may or may not be a video out there mm. of a, s- uh, Saturday night live routine, uh, involving cheerleaders. Um, oh my um, goodness. Like when I say, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we, we, we go all out. So it's, uh. It's a lot of fun, and I miss it. And happy Halloween to everyone! I hope. What are you? Your costumes?
2: We had uh, an idea. Um, so you wanna? Share I wanted it? to be the New York Times anonymous op-ed. Oh. With a, with oh, a so necklace could- that says "Loadstar." Oh, I like that. I like Gold that chain. a lot. Yes,
0: yes. Loadstar. Um, does that mean you would be going as John Huntsman? I G- know. Oh, I'm just kidding. I, that's a joke. It was not John Huntsman. G-
1: I I had the idea of going as retired Senator Hatch with a Chuck rama T-shirt and then invisible sunglasses. Oh that you yeah 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 keep- yeah the
0: the fake yeah the, yeah I, I like that. Then we had the a
1: couple's case. costume idea which was a uh, J dogs and then a Mitt Romney <laughs> and holding hands all
0: night because it is his favorite type of me right yes. yeah yeah see we we are giving to... you ideas the, the, <laughs> oh, these are great see these are things I think I could probably pull off maybe right instead of the whole like you know uh, full Batman costume that I I do have <laughs> with, with in my the, closet uh, the abs that are built uh, oh, into yeah. the costume Oh yeah okay. I have the fake abs the yeah. whole thing yeah like the the really nice Batman costume yes I do I do own one of those
2: 45 Days is a production of KUER News. This episode was produced by Tim Slover with original music by David Whited. Be sure to refresh your feeds after the election for our midterms post-mortem. And we will be back for a full third season in January.
1: For more local news and political coverage, visit our website at KUER.org and follow KUER on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Please tell us your political Halloween costume
2: ideas by tweeting at us. I'm at Julia Ritchie. And I am at underscore Nixo. See ya.